0: Welcome back, everybody. It's Barbara Gien at BarbaraGinn.com, and this week is extra, extra special, because it's my birthday. Ooh, ooh. I used to be bananas about my birthday. Literally, the entire month was celebrated. I would hand out birthday wish lists, and I was serious, so I'm not that crazy anymore, but I still do love that my birthday falls at the end of the month. Because as soon as October hits, I already feel like it's my birthday. So yes, I stretch it out and make it last. And I celebrate all month long, but especially on my special day. It's just a great day and I'm looking forward to it. The other thing that makes this week special is you get to hear from my friend, our youth pastor, Matthew Sangi. I hope I'm saying that right because I asked him, Matthew, how do you say your name? It's spelled S-E-G-I. Is it Seggy? or Seji. He was like, girl, none of the above. It's Sangi. This was through text. I'm just adding a little extra drama, but it's Matthew Sangi. And so we're talking about a lot of things. We're talking about family, culture, the power of words and encouragement by others. Also, knowing and responding to that inner voice inside of us, that is God, the Holy Spirit, And allowing it to guide you. And he is a youth pastor, so we talk about our youth and how he's noticed certain things uh, post-COVID that we should all take notice of. And we just talk a little bit more about their needs. And so hopefully, you will take something from that and we all have youth in our life for the most part. So right now, I feel like they are going through so much, uh, more than they ever have before. And if we can all meet them where they are and just kind of help to guide them through these times, that's everything. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Matthew Sangi. Hey, Matthew, welcome to the Something to Bless podcast. I know that you were zipping around literally up until this moment. So thank you. I hope you caught your breath and you're ready to talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely (laughs) ready. I feel great. I'm excited to be here for sure.
0: Good. All right. So just for the listeners, a little background. When we first moved to Oceanside, uh, I guess it's been five years now, we visited Coast City, which Coast City was brand new. It had just transitioned, I think, right? About five years ago?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I believe that we had just renamed the church and We hadn't even hit a full year, and you guys stumbled upon the church. So yeah,
0: yeah, we were looking and we found it. And at that time, Mia was in high school. I think she was a freshman or maybe a sophomore.
1: I can't remember.
0: Anyhow, we found uh, the church, loved the church, and Mia started going to youth group. Met you, and I remember you started going to the high school. I don't know if you're still doing that, but you were going and. She connected right away with you and your wife, your beautiful wife, Myra. She really took a liking to her. And then for personal reasons, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we looked for a a different church after some time. And and then, you know, we have our youngest child, Cruz, who you know now. But we really started to feel like we needed something for him, that that became a top priority for us in the last uh about a year less than a year but we remembered you and so you are what brought us back to Coast City and we always liked the church but my husband was looking for something specific and he found it at another church and that's why we moved in the first place but yeah, yeah you brought us back we're so glad and happy and blessed to be back because Cruz just you know totally loves you you know the program <laughs> the youth the youth group I know he has to alternate every other week with soccer so it's a sacrifice but He loves being there and we love having him there. And we're just, you know, blessed to have you as our pastor. So that's just a little bit of background. But you always come up during the main service for us when we're there on Sundays and give announcements or or whatnot. And I always think, has this guy ever been told he should be a a disc jockey? Because your voice is like DJ. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, hey, 1030, you guys look good. You smell good, too. (laughs) Matthew's got the line.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: So nice. Art
1: LeBeau. Art LeBeau. I listen to a lot oh, of Art LeBeau. So yes. maybe of
0: stuff like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's cool.
0: Yeah. So I was thinking, I'm like, I don't really don't know a whole lot about you. I mean, I know a few things. I know you're married. I know, I know of Myra. And here's a funny thing. So I was talking about this with my husband, and I was saying, Yeah, I know he has three kids. And so he's like, He has three kids. He's too young. And then you you recently took over the YouTube for Pastor Doug and Gretchen and mentioned you had four kids.
1: Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So much am like, have right. yeah, four. Yeah, we have an 11-year-old boy, um, a nine-year-old girl, and then our youngest two are girl-boy twins, and they'll be four in December. So
0: oh my God!
1: We, we got a tribe for sure.
0: Yeah, you do. You guys have your hands yeah. full. But you are Samoan, Mm
1: -hmm. right? Yes, I am.
0: So, one of the things that Samoans and Mexicans have in common, you know, I'm Mexican, is big families, right? Yeah. So, you guys already have that going on. And they're all. (laughs) We sure do.
1: We're trending (laughs) in the right direction. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) So, I was wondering since, you know, we have that at least in common with the cultures in the Mexican culture, and I'm sure you know this because you have a lot of mexican people that you connect with yeah you know we have a lot of nicknames and a lot of uh what do you call it like juniors did you guys do that in your culture too
1: yeah 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 you can be you can be in a you could be at a, a Samoan event and you can say so junior it's, it's so interesting Samoan's there's no real translation for like an American name into a Samoan name. So Samoans would just pick up like assonances and vowels that we use in the language and they'll take an American name and they'll make it into Samoan name. So junior was Kyoonga. It was just, you just took, right, the syllables and the sound of the American name and you made it Samoan. So Kyoonga, you could be in a room or a party or an event and you could say, hey Kyoonga. And then you might have 15, 17, 20 Kunga or juniors look at you. Cuba? So yes, junior is definitely a prominent, junior? <laughs> a prominent name um for a lot of uh, you know a lot of Samoans or just that. Yes, that that part of culture as it translates from the Mexican culture to the Samoan culture is pretty common. Yes.
0: Yeah, because we have about twenty five Rays, thirty Benny's, ten <laughs> Louis. I mean you I'm not even kidding in our family. It's, 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 it is funny. It's comical. It's
1: like, okay, yeah. another, there's another, a juniors, dan- there's a lot of Joes. There's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of those guys for yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> I have a niece who's half Samoan, So I know a little bit and I've been around, yeah. you know, her side of the family. One thing I noticed is that, you know, there's been some funerals uh, over the years and I noticed uh, when actually my niece's dad passed away the Samoan culture uh, the way of having the funeral it was so beautiful to me i mean they went all out with the, all of the different traditions i don't know if that's customary for most Samoan families but it was something i had never seen before yeah so
1: yeah so so normally Samoan funerals take place over over a span of the traditional ones, at least, take place over a span of two to three days. Mm-hmm. And they're in reality, that's just the celebration, the celebratory part, right? The memorial part, so to speak. Um, the event in of itself is a whole week, week and a half. It could be two weeks long because there's so many other parts that come into play. There isn't really a... Coming to coming to America and and for a lot of families who ha- have definitely grown and I don't like using the term Americanized but have embraced some of the 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 practices and uh, of the American culture you know they have life insurance so a loved one or a relative will pass away and they'll go through the process of life insurance well in the culture in the Samoan culture the life insurance is actually the the village, community, the family. So what'll happen is someone will pass away and then the entire village, the entire family will gather around and people will bring alms or gifts or offerings. And sometimes they're monetary, sometimes they're service provided, sometimes they're goods. If they they own a store or they have goods, they'll come and and they'll provide those things for the family. Um, And the family will cook, host, and receive those gifts from families who are coming in. And then ultimately the gifts and, and all the alms that are provided from the relationships of the community, the village will go towards uh, the, the memorial or celebration. And that's, it's so, it's such a culture that's built on a love, honor, and those pillars, those morals, that's why it's so breathtaking in in, the, in those instances when you're a part of them and um yeah
0: yeah i saw Pretty that special, sure mm-hmm. i yeah. felt the abundance and i felt the unity and um, togetherness and the love like the outpour of love and just yeah it was it was it really did take my breath away I was just thinking how beautiful and how i wish it was like that for all cultures for all people
1: sure hey, you grow up just in, in our culture, you grow up realizing that everybody contributes and plays a significant role in the family. And when that person's role is no longer...
0: Yeah.
1: And when that person's role is no longer there, there's this deep sense of something's missing. Mm-hmm. And...
0: Family steps in
1: and family steps in. And so I've been, I've been blessed, you know, growing up, I, I, it was so interesting because I was a part of, you know, so many funerals and, and so, so used to seeing this take place. And then moving, you know, I grew up in a, an one church and we probably had, you know, anywhere from, you know, two to three individuals who were a part of the church um, they would, you know, passing away, maybe, maybe, maybe two a year just because the church was built on so many, um, pioneers. Right. And, And, and all these older people who had sacrificed and, and contributed heavily to, you know, laying the foundations of the church that I grew up in, they were now taking that next step into eternity. And, um, Sorry, I got choked up a little bit because 2020 was a really challenging time, 2020, 2021 with COVID. And I know for you know the world, it was really challenging, but um, here in Oceanside, Oceanside has um, the, at one point we had the largest concentration per capita of Samoan population outside of the island. And so in 2020 and 2021, there were just so many families that I grew up with, friends, and we're all closely related. The church was kind of like the headquarters for all of these families. But to keep it short, so many losses. Mm. And it was, it was by the weeks that we oh. were seeing loss. And um, it, it was just like every other week someone was passing away. And so all of these people that you love and that you would come into contact with, and rub shoulders with out in the community, they were they were losing those people who played such significant roles in their families, and so you were just seeing these cavities grow in in different families, and it was it was overwhelming. And so, um, all that to say that I love the way we celebrate life in the Samoan culture. I love the way we honor life. I love how we make it a big deal because it is a big deal. It is, and it comes from God, and it's precious. And it's fleeting. It's very fleeting, right? So yes. um whew. That's I'm heavy. Good. I'm gathered. But but yeah. um, but thank you for asking. And I'm glad that you were exposed to that part of of culture that um is the is a remnant that we've kept and we've honored throughout time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is that is tough to have that much loss in such a short time span. And even with all of the togetherness and uniting and and coming together to support and, um, you know, just be there. It's still a painful, painful time to have that much loss in that such a short time span. So sorry to hear that. That's awful. Um, So I wanted to hear more about your, your path to becoming a youth pastor, a pastor in the church. You did mention that you grew up in the church.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so um both my parents um both of them so I'm first generation um from Samoa. My 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 parents came here back in the I believe my mom came here in the seventies. I believe my dad came in the early the the late sixties. Um but both of my parents when they came here um, initially, my my dad and my mom were in different parts of California, and a, a big a big reason why um, so many Samoans were moving throughout California uh, one was military. So there were the military bases that were here in Camp Pendleton and along the coast. Um, different families were were coming over, uh, you know, this is post World War II, and and now um, all of these families are getting the opportunity. Like a lot of a lot of other families or a lot of other cultures to come to the states, and so my mom and my dad they actually ended up here in Oceanside because of uh, mutual friends who were starting a church, and so um, that's how my grandparents ended up in uh, Oceanside. They they were um, there's a neighborhood in Oceanside called like the East Side um, or Posole, and um, that's where my grandparents first landed, and then. My mom and my dad ended up moving to the valley, which is a little bit more inland. Um, our church, coast City, is actually a part of a part of the valley area, but yeah, so they planted a church, and that's how both my mom and my dad were introduced to Jesus and were a part of of building that that church that I grew up in um, from there, growing up in a church, it was pretty. Uh, it, it, it it was it church life was was uh, was centered around church um all the meetings and all the gatherings and um and like you know like the like the latino culture or or a lot of other cultures, the church became like the 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 epicenter for all of the families gathering together and being able to take care of each other and if there were ever any need or any lack, being able to make up for that and that's the church's role, right? That's a church in Acts. That's a church that we have today to be able to take care of each other. And so I just grew up going to church. Um and I loved it. I loved it as a kid, Sunday, Sunday school, children's church. And then grew up in the youth. And not only was it myself, but it was all of my, you know, my first cousins and close friends. We were all growing up in the church together. Oh, so that was fun because yeah. We go to church and then from church we were at school all week long together and so we just we learned how to take great care of each other and we learned how to 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 make sure that no one was was ever in need and and that's the same today um i've had the privilege of growing up and seeing a lot of my siblings and a lot of my cousins remain here in southern california and a lot of people ask I'm going off on a little tangent here, but you know, wow, Southern California is so expensive and so on and so forth. But I think our roots are so established here that that's just never been the reason to leave um, our families here and we've just we've just decided to remain. And so I grew up in the church and loved the church. And I remember I actually shared this last night at our youth encounter night um, while we were in prayer before the service event began, I remember one of my Sunday school teachers telling me um, telling me that I was going to be a pastor, that I had a calling over my life. And I was like, huh? I was like, whoa, I don't look like they get paid enough. And and this is me at like 11, 12 years old saying this to myself. You're already
0: thinking about
1: exactly, how much you're going to earn. About income. and And so that... I just remember that sticking with me. And it was like throughout the years, all of the events that we would go to in the conferences, the camps, God was doing something in my heart. And so I was always just, I remember being in junior high, those those disciplines being instilled in me, praying every night, praying every morning, just understanding the discipline of of prayer, God's word, and I remember going into high school, just feeling the feeling that there was a purpose. And not that there was a pressure, but there was just a purpose. And I I, I enjoyed it. I always found myself in like leadership roles. So faith gave me the fire to lead. So I remember just, you know, we'd be in, in football games and we'd be in the locker rooms and I was just vocal and practically preaching um, after games. Uh, we, you know I'd gather everybody around from my teammates and the opposing team, and we'd pray. And then you have all these clubs that are on campus, FCA, and all those different things. And I, I always felt that draw, like there was something pulling me into what I'm into, into today. And not that I always had it together. I was still a very... Confused, challenged teenager, young person in middle school high school, and I think that having my my parents were so stable and they were always such a a great reflection of of all the of all the good that God talks about. And I remember just always having them and my mom and my dad steering me and staying on top of me but not only that but then there were just leaders that were always pouring into me so you I look back and and it was it was God's hand mm-hmm. bringing about different people to pour into my life that were challenging me and encouraging me having my parents there just as a constant compass and we we have a great relationship today. My mom and my dad are a part of the church here, at Coast. and so all that. I finally in 2011, me and my girlfriend, who is now my wife, thank you God, she's incredible, and uh, she'd probably be doing a better job at this podcast. We would no. she she would, she would kill it. But anyways, um, we had our first son and. We were broke. <laughs> yeah, We were, I mean, my, my, my girlfriend just finished college, her first year in college. And, and, uh, and so we named him Jaira. We we're like, well, God, he, we need you to provide because we have no clue what's going on. And so the then youth pastor at the time, he, Sheldon Brown, he said, Hey, I think you have a call over ministry. And I had. So a year before meeting my girlfriend and then her, you know, getting us having this, uh, have, having a, a child and and all of that, um, I had been heavily involved in, 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 in volunteering. And so I was involved with, you know, serving as a youth leader um, and I was involved with just different Parts and uh, operating pieces of the church, and just just here, I, I like I said, I, I just always found the community at the church to be my my north star, my guiding point. And um, he called me and he said, "Hey, uh, I know you're at a, you're in a, you're in a season of your life where we, you know, we were challenged. We we my, my wife, her family felt like there was." A lot of promise and potential in her and, and my family too, and we have this child out of wedlock, and so there's the, there's all those implications that come along with that. But I had this youth pastor that just believed in me, and he said, "You know, I think you're still called to ministry, man. I know it doesn't feel that way," and I said, "Yeah, it, it sure does not." <laughs> but I think you're still called, and so I. He, you know he he asked me to really sit down and, and think about marriage and i had already actually made up my mind to marry myra it was you know we were just trying to figure certain things out and so before Jarrah turned one we, she got married and then we came on um as like directors in a sense and um we had been praying you know the church leadership at the time they had been grooming and Really developing, training us. And so that was back in 12, 2012, 2012 or 2011. And, uh, and I've just stayed the course since. So that's kind of my, my call to, to ministry, to pastoring.
0: Yeah, I love that you had your youth pastor from early on speaking this into you or speaking this over you, kind of able to see what you yet couldn't for yourself as a young, younger, you know, younger boy. Um, do you see that in some of the youth that you work with? Are you able to kind of like see gifts or things in them that maybe they have no idea are there?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I've, I've taken moments on a Wednesday night during worship or during a message to make sure that that's not only known to them, but that that's known to the entire a group of kids. Um, yeah, there's yeah, there's 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 quite a few students. I've 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 said their names. I, I've said exactly that. I believe that God has something more than what you could imagine available for you, and I do believe that it's in ministry. I do believe it. It's you know it's in missions or it's in, in in some line of work that has to do with with this church. But yeah, there are definitely students that I see that in.
0: Yeah, cuz some are more obvious than others, but it's true that every single kid, human being has a calling, has a gift, has a unique talent or or something where they can use that to honor God and glorify God and serve others and help others and just walk in their purpose. And so many people just are unable to to see to see those things for themselves. So it's good when we have people like you and others who can not only recognize it, but call it out and address it and call it for what it is.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, They're they're, they're all around. We know who they are, those individuals that are constantly pulling the best out of us and Mm -hmm. thankful that I get to do that. Yeah, that's a gift for you. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, every week. Oh, man, I had kind of thought I was going to ask about um, your youth. Oh, I know you have you've been in the church. You were you said you kind of always felt called. You felt like you just took the natural position as a leader. Did you have any resistance or fear of officially becoming a pastor or, you know, walking in this role? Was there anything that kind of made you? Doubt it or think twice about accepting it fully?
1: That's a great question. There were, I, I'll say this, that I should have started sooner. Uh, when I graduated high school, I was still playing football and I, I loved the game. Um, I had a lot of success in high school, but I, I went with, I chose the gift that, um, wasn't gonna suit me, right? Like, like it, it wasn't gonna suit me for the long run, and I was so fixed on it because I loved it so much. Um, I, I always felt, like I said, I always felt draw to, to be involved in, in in some some form of leadership in the church, but I still had that aching for um, the, I guess, the euphoria that I felt when. I when when I was in when I was in high school um, from football, Mm -hmm. but I definitely wish yeah like I I definitely wish I would have gotten started with going into ministry earlier. So there was when I made that transition and I wasn't experiencing some of the you know success. And now social media is taking Mm -hmm. strides right, and you're starting to see oh gosh like. These guys over here are running ministry this way. Like, oh my goodness, they're flourishing. They've got hundreds of students. And, um, I will say this, that I, I stepped into the role of, of being a youth director and of taking the head of a ministry, but there were a lot of tools that I, 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 I didn't have. There are a lot of, a lot of practical things that I didn't have. So, you know, and like, so what are some of those practical items creating an, you know, a budget and income and, you know, and, and expense like reports, all those different things that, that, that run in the ministry, right? Planning and, and, and organizing, um, all these things I knew, like in the game, I understood in, in, in the construct of competing in football, but I didn't understand in the construct of ministry and now people, right? Like I was now responsible for, for, for lives. I was now responsible not only for those lives in the sense of spiritual guidance, but now caring for it in a way where we need to run a place that is maintained extremely well, leadership, right? Like vetting, vetting the right Mm, leader, yeah, all of these, all of these things, and and so because I didn't necessarily have that like internship kind of role where I saw this stuff take place, or there was someone that was so when when I came on, uh, there was also so much transitioning happening at, at then Family Fellowship Church. And the leaders were incredible. I I love them. I have nothing but great things to say about them. Um, But I think that just at that time, we were we were still trying to figure out systems and trying to figure out how do we manage the flow of how departments and ministries operate? How do we, you know, we just like with so much integrity, make sure that the right leaders are coming into place and that these leaders are going to be able to not only be committed for the now but to see this down the long run so all of these things sometimes reinforce some inadequacies and I was just like, oh man, like I I'm not I, I got it more wrong than I did right
0: mm, yeah
1: and so just constantly failing and there were I mean now, don't get me wrong like there were moments where I was like, thank you God for reminding me. Thank you, God, for allowing me to see your, your purpose over my life and your plan over my life through seeing this student come to know you, right? And, and so there were all these, these victories that were taking place around, but there was such a part of me that leadership-wise in the practical sense that I didn't have together. Um, and I felt like, man, I should have went into ministry earlier. I should have just did away with football, said thank you, God, and just went in. And maybe I would have written a book by now. Like, so there was also those things, right? Like how much further along I could be if I would have surrendered and just submitted earlier. If I would have just realized that this gift was really the gift that God wanted to expound and expand me in. Um, So there, yeah, there were definitely those times where I was just like, gosh, this is challenging and this is rough. Um, Not to the point of feeling like, you know what? Maybe there's a different route. and we, you know, we had we had those conversations, like had those conversations with my wife, where it was just like, hey, do you think that there's something else outside of being a pastor? Um, and so, you know, we we, we vetted those conversations, but we had them. And they were challenging and yeah. and, and they were there were some tough questions to, to ask and answer. Um, but we've we've uh we still believe that. Being in the role that we're in here with the church, that we're striking gold, and um, and I know it's not it probably hasn't been like that for a lot of other people, but I think one of the things that we've just decided to embrace is that uh, we're not gonna run, we're just gonna remain, and we'll figure it out. And I know that God got you know as as we as we remain, God's teaching us something where we're at right now. So but yeah, definitely in the early years, the inadequacies of seeing social media rise, the downfall of comparison and just the, the lack of experience and development with my skills, those definitely created some some problems some doubts and reinforce some inadequacies that we're challenging to overcome.
0: Yeah. And I think what you mentioned just a bit ago about questioning where you are, where you're supposed to be, where you're going next, like that, those are common questions for so many people. I know I just went through that phase myself just in the last few years of really struggling with, okay, where am I supposed to be? And also being at this age, like really, I'm starting, I'm starting a whole new endeavor at this age. But mm-hmm. then you know, being connected and um, so committed to God's will and God's plan is just, like you said, you, you stay where you are. You do what you do each day. He, he guides you. He redirects you if he wants to. It's You You can never go wrong when you're staying in his will and surrendering to him every day because he's constantly guiding us and leading us and putting things in our spirit and speaking to us in so many different ways and leading us to places he wants us to be and. And not only that, but maybe maybe we are not in the spot that we're supposed to stay at long term. But he's going to use us in that spot if we if we remain open, you know.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, to the likings of King David, just that there was there was a long time from the time he was anointed king to actually becoming the king of Israel. That right. you know that took place that there was a waiting season and I think that and we hear sermons and we hear messages, but if we can really identify the why in the waiting, it helps. And there, there, there are gems and there, there are things that that are developed in the waiting that are not going to be developed anywhere else. And so, you know, I've seen that I I look back and I, I can't identify honestly, Barbara. I can't identify a time where I was like, man, that was a huge missed opportunity. Like, shucks. Other than the fact of, and I say this, other than the fact of not getting involved in ministry earlier and and, and just going right into this calling earlier. Um in my role of leading in the church and being a part of the church, there hasn't been that that time, that moment where I'm like, "Gosh, I should have tried this." Yeah. yeah, I haven't had. It. Well, that's good. Oh,
0: good. So, switching gears a little bit um, with the youth yeah, no, right now. Uh, it, did you notice? Oh, I think our reception's a little funky. Can you hear me? Okay.
1: Yeah, um, you're good.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Are you okay? Did I'm you still notice- here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, w- it was going in and out a little bit, but we're good. So since COVID or post-COVID, have you noticed anything significantly different with the youth that you you know see on a regular basis?
1: So... There are, I don't want to, I I don't want to over, you know, over, uh, over, overplay. I think that the, I think youth are, I think youth are, are bouncing back in a way, um, where, so out of COVID and, you know, just still battling with being, experiencing distant learning, especially at one of the most socializing, you know, the the most socializing parts of your life, like, being in, you know, being in middle school or being in high school, like this is where you start learning like, okay, well, I'm, I am I, can get down with this, right? Like this is kind of the people or kind of like the flock that I find myself identifying with. And so, you know, and okay, I'm starting to like this kind of music. Okay, I'm starting to like this kind of style or this taste or uh, realizing that there are different, there, there are different. Um things that even inspire you, right um so all these things that are are so crucial in in the developmental phase of just being an adolescent, those things were were, were stripped away. And I think that coming back into okay, now are we doing distant learning? are we doing masks and kind of seeing the political play impact? The this generation in such a a, such a a negative and trying way. I actually think that we're we're starting to see the youth almost like they they've thawed out of that season, and so some of them are coming back and they're they're right back into socializing. They're right back into having great relationships and friendships. Um, so i I would personally say that I feel like now we are at the place that we were at in terms of relationship in terms of connection that we we had before covid um however I will say that there is a, a, a piece of for for students um, there is there is a piece of wandering and and um, and even trying to, because it was life was so insular for them, right? During during COVID, Barbara, that they they were alone a lot, and so now I even see the um, the desire to kind of be a little bit more, you know, impressive, or or even the sense of influence right like yeah. the the students today because of that insu- insularity I'm not even sure if that's a word <laughs> but because of We're that gonna ins- make it a word. having that insular lifestyle during covid like there's this this feeling like it, it it reinforced those you know those questions of huh am i am i good enough am i attractive mm. like mm. so like a little and, bit of
0: overcompensating maybe no
1: exactly exactly because now you're like Now you're trying to have this sociality while being closed in, and so now you're you know it's everything opens up again. It's like oh I forgot that there were these other kids and you know that there is that they still existed. They still had life. They're still they're still walking and breathing, but I just wasn't seeing them day to day. Um, So there there is that piece. I will say though that I feel like. that's, that's, that, that's one side of it, right? Like the, the feeling like, oh, I gotta, I've gotta be, um, I've gotta, I've gotta impress people. So, so sometimes I see students, they just care too much. They care too much to be, they care too much to be cool, or they, they care too much about what their, even what their friends are, 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 are thinking even more now than before because of that reason. And, um, so we're seeing that, but, also like there's a boldness that i'm seeing in students yeah and i, I always want to catch them doing more more right than wrong and so because of that like sometimes i'm seeing certain students and i'm like man that was a bold move if, if i can channel that if i can help you channel that in the right like in, in the right direction you're you're gonna be you know you' you got some some great things brewing for you yeah um, so that's those are some of the things that I'm identifying and I'm seeing. And so, like when I see that student who's who's kind of going all out and it looks like, oh my gosh, like this could be detrimental for them. I'm yeah. like, no, let's let's use that energy. let's use that that boldness, let's use that edginess, and let's let let's help them find find the right the the right structures for it. um, let's bring them alongside and and, and, and in a sense, groom them and love on them um, and direct it the right way. Right. Like just like anything power, man, finding the right conduit. So that way people can, can, can benefit from, from being plugged into that.
0: Yeah. And they need it. Do you have, do you feel like you have enough uh, support as far as co-leaders or, you know, volunteers that the kids look up to respect, you know, are drawn to?
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that. So I've taken um, one of my one of my focuses is I've taken finding leaders like finding looking at a at a person who's attending church on a Sunday and saying, "Man, this audience, this group of kids, this person could reach that group of kids, and this person could could love on that group, and that group would would so be attracted to this person, right?" Because Growing up, I remember like the individuals that I saw, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, man! I I, I love them. I, I gravitate towards them because yeah. of their art, you know their their style. Yeah, or like
0: that's how I mean, it you is. You just found them cool.
1: You found them cool, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm looking for those leaders, and, and and not only right on the surface level, but getting to know them a little bit more, and and asking, you know, and seeing where they're at. And in in, in, in following Jesus, and I'm like, hey, look, I think that you being a getting involved with the youth, I think you can impact some lives that you probably never imagined being around or having an impact or an influence in a way that really refreshes and restores you. So um, that's a, Yeah, that's a, I'm at that place. But yes, I think we have a great team. I love that our team looks like our our ministry. Um mm-hmm. and, yes. and that they all come what from different walks of life, different cultures. And um and I, I love that. So we've we've tried to just keep some of the some of those things that have helped us build uh this community here as a church, um, yeah. taking it and developing that on on the level of growing a, a a youth ministry and seeing middle schoolers and high schoolers uh find find a home here.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I love that you're keeping all those things in mind. Keep it diverse. Keep, you know, who you bring in to kind of reflect who they're speaking to um, and, and standing before. Because even for me and adults, it's like it's always good and more powerful and more effective if you if you have a leadership that reflects you. Can You know, and I just I've always been big on diversity in, in every way. I think it's important and powerful for our kids, especially. So one of the things that I get so frustrated with is the music because, you know, we're living in the world and it just seems like things have gotten more and more. They were crazy already, even during my teenage years, but they've just gotten like blatantly. And to make it worse is like the access to social media is like, everything's it's a free for all. Everything's out there. So, Do you have any favorite artists that you like? What do you have any you have any recommendations?
1: You know, I listen, um, uh, so like when it comes to when it when it comes to I, I listen to a lot more worship music.
0: I do too. And
1: um uh, and I saw so I love um there's a there's a band, SCU Worship. I love those guys. Um uh, uh Thrive Worship. I mean you always have your um, your crews that are always putting out new and fun stuff, and are have been leading the way for a while. So, like Elevation Worship, um, Maverick City came on the scene, and they provided a sound that was like, "Whoa, this is like God, this is different." Bringing that hymn gospel flair to uh, the worship world, and so we've seen that surface. Um, there are some there are some staples that. I think I remember listening to them heavily when I was trying to step away from some rap that was like oh man I shouldn't be listening to this but uh you are are Andy, you're, you're yes, Andy uh, Andy Mineo. uh Mineos. and so they those guys are making some some great music um but it, it's 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 fun to see what what I'm starting to appreciate is there are more Cause there was a time where it was like, oh, like this is like th- this is a Christian sound, but man, like the excellence, right? And a lot of that had to do with the um a lot of that had to do with kind of, I'm trying to find the word, but there wasn't a lot of like main mainstream support. So they weren't getting, right? They weren't getting the best producers, things like that. And so um, but yeah, those are a few, those are a few uh worship groups and artists that that I've uh just stuck to and clung to for a long time.
0: Yeah, there, I mean, there is a lot out there, and I find myself listening to pretty much just worship these days. Um, when I'm in the house, I have the Alexa and I'll play uh, a couple of different stations, but one of them is Aaron Cole and it has some good, some good artists. Oh, in there. yeah, yeah, that's
1: right, yeah. Sure. And I
0: love like Lecrae, Andy Minio, I love all of them. And I always try to find, uh, cause you know, my, my boys right at that prime age 13, where of course, naturally like more drawn to the other type of means. But I, you know, sure. as far as I can control it, like I just, I won't allow that. So I'm like, oh, I got to find like some good replacements. But I remember, I don't know if you're familiar with Priscilla Shire.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So she, yeah. she did a post not too long ago and she was like, Talking about how she was planning for her t- teenage boys' birthday party and like the struggle <laughs> was real, trying to find decent music. But she shouted out Lecrae and Andy and all of these guys for making such good music that everybody can enjoy. Like it's yeah, good music,
1: for sure. Truth yeah, Toby. Uh, Toby Nuigwe is a uh, is another is is definitely another um hmm, I
0: don't know artist.
1: Name. Toby Newigway. Uh, he's he's a fun dude, Nigerian dude. He's from Texas. Oh, what? Okay. He's, he's a cool he's a cool cat. And actually, I believe Priscilla Shire has some connections to him as well because they're both from Texas. I believe.
0: Oh, these Texas. I know that
1: Priscilla is based out of Texas. Yeah. So. Shout out to Texas. Shout out to, to the <laughs> y'all, great-
0: y'all heard me? Okay.
1: Right. <laughs> I
0: made a note of that one. Okay. Um. Good. All right. That's good to know. Good to have. I'm actually going to see Elevation on November second. Super excited. I think Steven Furtick's. Oh going yeah, to that.
1: that's right. That's right. Yeah. I've seen that they're touring out here on the West Coast and whatnot.
0: Yep. So we'll be we'll be hitting that place up soon. Well, good. This was I, I feel like I got a lot out of you. I didn't I wasn't expecting so much. Um <laughs> anything I'm a little
1: that, bit of a talker. So you that's probably good. got make well, my job easier. And I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Um I, obviously I want to make sure that there, there's some balance, but you ask some good questions as well. And I'm open to, to doing this in the future as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is this is fun, Barbara. Good. And shout out to you. Shout out to you. Oh, um, thank you. Venturing into something new, uh, in a different stage of life. And most times I believe that that that's what God's just looking for, for some boldness, mm-hmm. for some faith. Yeah. We got a long life to live. We got a long mm-hmm. life to live and. I know that the humanity in us is drawn to shrinking back and, and being comfortable, um, but I love uh, there's there's a Bible story where Caleb, at the end of his at the end of his day, they're awarding all of the the faithfulness of the Israelites. Right, this is going into the Promised Land. They're finally getting to go to the Promised Land, and they ask Caleb where what we you know what portion of the land he'd like to stay in, and he goes, "Man, I want to be in the mountains. Like, I want to be over there." Because I still want to fight. I know that there's still some ground to take over there. And I want to be reminded that, you know, that God's God's given us this land, but we're still taking ground too. So um, you you definitely remind me of that with what you're doing right now. And um, yeah, that's just a word for you, Barbara. So I hope that encourages. Thank you
0: for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times I'm the one who's trying to encourage and speak life and, you know, it's not... I mean, obviously, I listen to other podcasts, I go to church, I get, get the word in different ways, but person to person, not often. So thank you. I, I really appreciate that. It means a lot. And uh, our family appreciates you. You're a blessing to us and so, so, so many others. So we love you and just, yeah, blessed to have you. So and thank you again for taking this time. And yeah, let's do it again for sure. Sure. We have a lot more we could talk about.
1: Yeah. Cruz is great, man. Cruz, I love that dude. Aww. He's a breath of fresh air for sure. Thank you. And his smile, his his personality is contagious. He's made so many cool relationships here, and, and in such a short time. I'm proud of that, dude, man. Yeah,
0: Yeah, well, he loves being. There. You guys
1: are doing incredible. You guys are doing an incredible job with that man as well.
0: Thank you, Matthew. You're a part of that, so thank you.
1: Takes a village. Takes a village. Yeah, it Just does.
0: A- it does. All right. Well, thank you again for being here, and uh, we'll we'll be seeing you soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Take care.